Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 22 in the NIV version. It should come up on the screen. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Who was a righteous, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. That he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That's a death wish, isn't it? Which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. By the way, sometimes it's difficult to receive prophecy. It's not always good, is it? Sometimes we've got to receive the good things. Just a little nugget for you there. If somebody's going to prophesy of you, sometimes expect that they may bring something that's not harmful, but maybe something that is preparing you for something challenging in the future as well. Verse 36, there was also a prophet, by the way, this sounds like a great prophetic meeting, doesn't it? Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had, been, she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about this story, which is probably a story, the part of the Christmas story you never really hear about. And it's about the fact that 40 days after Jesus was born, eight days after he's born, he's required for circumcision. But 40 days after he was born, it's the requirement was by Jewish tradition that they had to take him to the temple to, for, for Mary to be purified because of the birth. This was a Jewish tradition. 
And she had to be purified by going to the temple. And then also at the same time was to consecrate and to dedicate uh, the baby to God. Many of you here sometimes today in church, we dedicate our children to God because we want to set them aside. We want to say, this child is for God. It's not about baptism or christening. It's about saying, this child is dedicated. And they took Jesus to the temple. They were fulfilling the requirements of the law. This was an ask of God. It was the requirement of God for them to do this. So they went to the temple and they go in there and they meet what I call two unsung heroes. I mean, you never hear or see on a Christmas card Simeon and Anna, do you really? I mean, it's just not happening. I mean, we, if you get the little nativity play and you, uh, the, the, the scene, you just don't see a figure with Simeon and Anna. But actually, these two figures were crucial. These two figures were part of the story. It's actually true that today at Christmas, we dissect the world, chooses what they want to put into the picture. But there is so much more, isn't there, to Christmas than just the things we may see on TV. Simeon and Anna were special unsung heroes. And I want to look at them in just a moment. One of them, Simeon and Anna, they they actually both wanted the same thing. They had an ask from God, and that was this, that that they would see a savior. We saw that Simeon asked for this savior. The moment he sees Jesus, he recognizes him. And then he says, actually, I want to die now. I've seen what I want to see. How many of you actually would, you know, when you're happy, you'd be content to just say, I've seen what I've seen. I'm going to die. And he said, I've seen what I've seen. Now's my time. Take me now. And then Anna, she recognizes just at the moment that he prophesies, she steps in on the scene, wants to get in on the prophecy, and she says, I want to be part of this as well because I recognize this as well. Both of them have been longing to see something. And then when Jesus was brought into the temple, this was no ordinary child. This was someone very, very special. Mary and Joseph, they'd gone and they wanted, they had an ask from God as well. They wanted to see their son uh, dedicated, consecrated to God. So there's lots of people in this story who've got a, a big wish list for God or a big wish list in their lives. How many of you today know that sometimes at Christmas as we lead up, we've got wishes? I know that you can go on Amazon today and you can have your own Amazon wish list. You can have your own separate wish list. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? At one point, you would be able to have Christmas. You wouldn't have a wish list. you just wait and see what someone got you, whether it was an orange or an apple. You know, but now you have a wish list. You tell people what you want. And um, I don't know about you, but I, when we got married, we had a, a wish list for our wedding. And uh, I've, I've been in wish lists for different people's weddings. It's, it's an amazing thing. You log into a site. Now they tell you what they want. You can't just bless them and say, I'm going to give you a a set of pans because they've probably already got five pans. So now you have to listen to what they want. And many of us today, we've got these wish lists. I don't know about you. I go in normally into these sites and I look at what people want. And I'm trying to choose something that seems special. But most of the time, most of the time, all the tea towels have gone on the list and, and, and the kettles and you're looking and then all you're left with is something that's worth 150 pounds because no one wanted to buy it. And so you're thinking, maybe I'll get them a few extra tea towels. People today have wish lists. You right now today, as it leads up to Christmas, you may be requesting what you want for Christmas, but also in your lives you have wish lists. There are things today in your life that you need God to do for you. 
They're not just getting a new iPhone or a new iPad or this or that or the latest perfume that's out in the, the shops. For you today, actually, your biggest ask, your biggest wish list for you is actually that God would do something in your relationship, would do something in your marriage, would do something in your family. You've been praying probably all year for this. And you're saying, God, I'm getting to the end of 2016. I'm going to go into 2017. I've been asking you for a long time, but I've not seen anything. I've put my wish list out to you, but I've not seen anything get answered. And some of us today have these big wish lists. They're big, crucial things. Sometimes we give up on God because we've not seen the answer. We've not seen these things get ticked off. It's like we go into the website every day checking, has has God done this for me? Has that thing been purchased or bought? Is this thing coming my way? And if it's not there, then we feel like giving up on God. Maybe you today feel like giving up on God for 2017. But I want to encourage you today that whatever you ask of him, if you ask in the right motives with the right heart, he will give you at his timing. Some of us don't know how to do that though, you see. You see, the key is this. It's not about how you ask. Anyone can put a wish list in. My kids are so good at giving wish lists. I mean, they write about 20 Christmas lists. They love putting their lists in. One of the worst things I find is when they give me a list and all the things they want to see for Christmas. And they're naughty. And they're so naughty. and you, you, You know you want to see them blessed. But when their attitude is wrong, but they want... And sometimes the problem is for us today is that we want God to do lots of things for us, but our attitudes are wrong. In fact, actually, sometimes our relationship with God is not even existent, yet we can actually easily give him a list. The reason why our relationship's not there is because he didn't answer the last thing in the way that you wanted. So then you say, God, I deserve these things. The most important thing for us to understand about asking, wishing from God and desiring answer for prayer is that we ask through relationship with him. We ask through relationship. We've also got to learn how to receive the gift as well. How many of you know that receiving it's a very different thing? You can ask. Anyone can say, God, I need this. I need you to give me a husband. I need you to give me a wife. Sometimes you've got to do something about it as well. Amen? Maybe you need to buy some deodorant. Maybe God's just saying, you know, why don't you go down to Superdrug? They're two for one. And you're saying, oh, no, 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 I don't need that. The Lord makes me smell beautiful. His fragrance, His presence. Some of us need to do something. Amen? You want God to do something? Well, take some action. Amen. You see this in 1 John three twenty one to 22. It says this. John says, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from him anything we ask. Because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. In other words, when we ask God, we should be doing what he says and doing things to please him. That is called relationship. Did you know that? It's not something that comes from dictatorship, it's relationship. So when we have relationship with God, we will begin to ask in conjunction with the will of the Father on our lives. 
When you have relationship, your asking will be very different. You know, you will ask many different things. I don't know if you've seen this program on TV. We keep seeing it that, that someone, they'll come on stage and they'll say, uh, Davina McCall, they'll say, this is my, what I want to see in a year. And then a year later they reappear and it's the same stage and we see whether they've achieved or they've got this thing. Some of us today are asking and we're not, we've not seen after a year the change. We've not seen anything happen. Listen, God has not left you. He's not left you. He's right there with you. But you must have that relationship, keeping his commands, doing what pleases him. So when you ask, you're asking in the right motive. Amen? These, three, these several people, these characters, I think there's something we can learn from them in how to receive and how to have relationship with God in our asking. Simeon, first of all, it says this, he was righteous and he was devout. Spiritually focused. He was a spiritually focused man. He was righteous and devout. In other words, he did what God wanted him to do. He did have relationship. He was asking, by the way, I don't know if you've seen this, but he was asking for the Messiah to come. He was longing. This was the top of his Amazon wish list. You know, he wanted to see uh, the consolation of Israel. He wanted to see this response from God. And then all of a sudden he recognizes, by the way, do you know that when you recognize things, it's because you're people of the Spirit. He was spiritually focused. Then we got Anna, the prophetess. She's passionate and expectant. She is a prophet. She hears from God. She hears God's voice. How many of you know that if you want to hear God's voice, you've got to spend time in his presence? I meet so many people who want to be prophets and hear from God, and they don't want to spend time in his presence. It comes from relationships. So Anna, the reason why she spots the answer is because she recognizes God's voice. She's a prophet. Mary and Joseph, they're obedient to God's laws. They want God to bless their child. They want God to purify her because of, and so now what do they do? They go through the Jewish customs. They obey God, do the things that please him. These different characters all had something about them that were able to receive. Not asking is not the key. It's not just the key. It is actually how you receive your attitudes, your relationship with God. The title of this message today is Christmas Wishes. What is your Christmas wish? What is your desire? What is it that you really want? And I'm not talking about the next iPad or the iPhone. I'm saying, what is it that you want? There are some people here today who've been praying for a loved one to be saved or to come to know Jesus. And you said, I've prayed for 10 years. I've seen nothing. My marriage is breaking up. I've seen no change. My child is out of control. I've seen no change. I've asked you, God, why do you not intervene? I'm not saying that your prayers are not good enough. But sometimes we've just got to change probably our attitudes. Maybe spend some time with God first and understand his perspective. How do we learn? Number one is this today. Three things I want to share. Number one is this. We've got to be patient. Everyone's gone silent. You know, patience is a very difficult thing, isn't it? Patience is very hard when you have to wait for God's timing. It's like, we just don't like to do that, do we? We ask God and we want it now. I mean, how quick do you get a a Big Mac when you go to the speaker on the drive-thru? 
you've only got to drive a few more paces. I mean, you don't use much petrol, and then there it is most of the time. And some of us want that kind of quick response from God. You've already thought in your hearts probably today, it's just not been quick enough for me. Simeon had patience. He says this, Simeon was waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And this is what it says next, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, I want to just encourage you today that actually when God wants you to ask him in relationship, what he will do is this. He will give you by his spirit through relationship the ability to be patient. You see, Simeon, it says this, he waited, but the Holy Spirit was on him. If you're around godly people, normally you can tell is because they're patient. They can be calm in the most, you know, the most torrent times in their life. And some of us today, we don't actually spend time with God to know his patience. Let's look at what it says about Simeon. Luke 2 verse 25 to 27 says this. The Holy Spirit was on Simeon. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. And verse 27, he was moved by the Spirit. And he went to the temple courts. This man, Simeon, was a man of the Spirit. He was a man of the Holy Spirit. And he knew what it was to hear God's voice. And some of us today, we're we're not prepared to work with God's timing. You see, he wants to give you the ability to be patient. I don't know about you, but when you order something online today, have you noticed this? You place your order. I mean, most of the time, I'm just clicking refresh straight away to see if the orders come through to the email. Then I get the email. We're very impatient, aren't we? Has the email come through yet? It's not even got through to the server. Click and refresh. Yes, it's, it's there. We, we've received your order. And most of us now, we want to see the time limit for when the package is going to be delivered. And now, you wouldn't have had this 10 years ago, but now it's amazing because on, on your email, you can click and it says, track my delivery now. And I love to do this. I don't know if you've seen on DPD, their website. If you track on DPD, it tells you now the name of, of the person coming. It says, John is coming. And he's coming between 9 o'clock. In fact, it even gives 9.59 sometimes. To 10.59, John is going to be with you. Have you ever met John when he arrives? He looks stressed. He looks so stressed. The reason he looks so stressed is because he's trying to get there for 9.59. Otherwise, you're going to report him. So you're there and you get this little map and you see this, this little lorry moving along. He's now at number 67 drop off and you're counting down. You're sat at home. Thinking you've not moved since you placed the order. You're waiting for John to arrive with the package. This happened to me once and I, I like to wait for the guy to come. And I, I don't know if you've done this before. I think, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like a prophet. I'm going to say, hi, John, when he arrives at the door, just because I know his name. I've done it before and they say, my name's Peter. I thought, no one's updated the system today. That's when I gave up on prophecy. And you say, hi, John. And then he gives you, and then you sign the package, and he goes. But one time I was, I was waiting, and the package didn't arrive. I had to leave the house. And I did this once. I've got to confess. I was riding down in, into the streets of Cambridge on my bike. I was on my way into to Cambridge. And I was looking on my map, trying to find out where this lorry was. I thought, I'm going to go and find the lorry. Sad, isn't it? I'm going to find the lorry, and I'm going to ask him, can I have my package? Because I didn't want to go to work without the package. 
So I went up to, I saw a DP DeLorean on a street. It seemed to match up to the, the, the computer. And I walked up to the guy and said, excuse me, have you got a package for my address? He turned around and he says, I'm sorry, mate. That's not, I'm not John and that's not my delivery run. I was so embarrassed. Some of us are so impatient. We want it now. We place the order. We say, God, I'm not even placing it again. You've heard my request. I'm not going to place it again. And we cannot wait. We chase the order. We chase the order. God, what's wrong? I'm not seeing it. You said your name was John. It's not. You said you were number 67. I ain't seen it yet. And some of you today are like that. I want to tell you that actually we need patience in our lives to wait for the things. These were people of the Spirit. These are people of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22 Paul says this, the Holy Spirit produces these things, love, joy, peace, patience. You see that? If you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit, he will give you the ability to be patient. But some of us say, I don't want to spend time with God. And then you're asking him for things in the time you do spend. That's all you do. And then you wonder why you're not patient to receive. It's because through relationship with the Holy Spirit, you will get love, joy. You will get all these things, but you will get patience. Come on. That's an amazing thing. In other words, he's saying, you ask me for things. You can spend time. I'm going to give you things in the meantime to help you wait. I'll give you some gifts. I'll give you some fruit. I'll give you these things to help you wait in my timing. You see, the truth is this. Simeon was a man of the presence of God. He had patience because he was in the presence. If you're in the presence, you get patience. Amen? Galatians 5.25 says this. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. My granddad used to sing a song. I don't know where it was from. When I was younger, he said, keep in step all the time. Keep in step all the time. I don't know where it came from. But the song, it used to always say, you need to keep in step filled with the Spirit. Some of us today, we're not in step with the Spirit. And do you know what happens? We don't get on His timing. We're not on His timing. The Holy Spirit has a different timing structure to the way that we live our lives. If we want the fruit of the Spirit, then we need to be in step with the Spirit. I put here that the pain of our waiting time can often be determined by the quality of our devotion time. The pain of our waiting time can often be determined by the quality of our devotion time. Sometimes you're saying, I can't wait. We'll actually get into the presence of God. Get into the presence of the Holy One. And understand that it's his timing. Amen. Number two today is this. We need to be content. We need to be content. You see, actually, when we ask God for things, sometimes we ask God because we're not content already. Sometimes we don't understand what we've got already. How many of us, it's amazing, isn't it? You get around to Christmas every year. I'm so surprised and amazed that kids need toys, more toys. Why is, I look around the house, I see things around, I'm thinking, why can't we just clean this up and they can use that again? I mean, the amount of toys that kids want every year. We're never content. Even now, you get the latest phone, you get the latest gadget. 
24 months later on your contract, if not less, you want the next one. We're never content because sometimes we think we need the next thing. We always need something new and fresh in our lives. It's the only thing that's going to sustain me is to have the latest gadget. Everyone else has got one. I want one. I mean, I, I'm seeing kids now at the age of, I don't know, 10 years old with mobile phones. I got my first pager, I think, when I was 18. Pager. Does anyone know what a pager is? I used, I used to love people just paging me. I never phoned them back. It was just that they paged me. I couldn't afford to phone them back. I had to go down to the phone box and do it. But I had a little pager. Kids now with the latest gadgets. Some of us, we're never, ever content with the things that we have. We ask sometimes because we're not content. We're not content with what we've got. So we say, I want more God. And God's saying, look, be pleased with what you have already. Do you not understand that? Let's look again at Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 24 on the screen. It says this, when the time came... For the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. In Leviticus 12, this was the requirement. It said this, these are the regulations in the Old Testament for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl, but if she cannot afford a lamb... She is to bring two doves or two young pigeons. I don't know if you've seen this before. But in other words, what was happening is that Mary and Joseph just didn't have the money in the bank to bring a lamb. They were bringing doves and pigeons for Jesus. They were bringing for the sacrifice of consecration, the dedication for God. They were now bringing into the temple. They got the little pigeons and they got the doves. They were bringing them in and they were saying, this is what we've got because we've looked at Leviticus 12. We've seen the requirements. We've read them. We've looked and we've, we can't really afford it. How many of you today can't afford some of the stuff? How many of you today are looking at your bank accounts, can't wait for January to get another paycheck? Yeah. People taking loans, getting into debt. The most debt we've ever seen in our country is happening right now before our eyes. The economy. People in debt. These people, they weren't rich. They were middle class probably, but they didn't just have enough to fulfill. So there was a little clause in Leviticus 12 that said this. If you ain't got enough to bring a lamb, just bring some doves and pigeons. It's a bit different, isn't it? So they walk into the temple, they think, well, we're going to bring the doves and the pigeons instead. Listen, they were content with what they had. Do you know why? Because what they were carrying in their arms was the Lamb of God. They didn't... They knew in their hearts that even though they had these doves and these pigeons, even though probably people were walking into the temple daily with the best lamb, walking in with the best lamb to bring in for sacrifice, they were probably seeing other families walking up to the temple with their babies waiting for the same thing with a beautiful lamb thinking, oh, if we had the money to buy that. And actually that day they understood that as they walked in with these doves and these pigeons, actually they walked in with the true greatest lamb of all. You see, sometimes in your life, you may have doves and pigeons, but you don't realize what you're carrying. I call it pigeon religion. 
Sometimes in your life, you look at your doves and your pigeons. And you say to yourself, this is all I've got. You're born again. You've received Jesus. You're full of the Holy Ghost. But yet you look at your pigeons. If only I had a lamb. If only I had a lamb. She's got these little doves and pigeons. He says it'll do, but you know, I just don't feel good. I want, I want a good lamb. And you're looking and you're trying to raise the money to get some good lambs in your life. Listen to me. If you're born again, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you have the greatest lamb. You carry Jesus Christ. They knew it. They knew. And listen, don't ever forget in your lives today that whatever you want and you're desiring in your life, you are carrying the presence of God. That is enough for you to sustain you for the rest of your life. It's enough. Some of us, sometimes, you know what happens? We, we forget. And we start to want again. We start to ask again. We say, God, I need this because I just need a car. I need this latest car. I just want to look the business because my friends have got one. I just want this because I'm not, I'm not accepted if I don't have these things. I'm not accepted if I ain't got the latest trainers. Look, I need these things. God, just bless me with these things, please. And he's saying, get into my presence and understand that actually what you have with me is far greater than any materials on this earth. Anything. We need to be content. First Timothy 6, 6 says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Some of us need to stop looking at our pigeons. Some of us need to stop it today. Stop it with your pigeon religion looking at what you've got and saying, I haven't got enough. And say, God, in you I have everything. I have everything I need. The songs we were singing this morning, you can just sing those songs and say, I'm deep in love with you, Abba Father. Do you really believe it? Come on. We've got to sing these songs with passion, not just sing them because of the latest tune. We've got to say, I'm deep in love with you, Abba Father. I cry out to you. You are my everything. Everything. In you I have everything, God. I want to encourage you. Don't just sing today and go home. Sing that in your cars when you get into your cars tomorrow. Sing that in your homes and say, I'm deep in love with you, Abba Father. Because you're my everything. You're my source. You're the thing that sustains me. Your presence to me is everything. We're not coming to church for some McDonald's, nip in, nip out, and then go back to work. We're here to recognize and understand that when we're in the presence of God, He is our sustainer. I want to encourage you today to stop looking at what you don't have and start telling people what you do have. Stop looking at what you don't have and tell people what you've got. There's so many people out there not telling anyone about what you have. 
You see, if you'd have seen Mary and Joseph that day, there'd have been people probably looking, saying, oh, look, they've got the doves and pigeons. They can't afford a lamb. I bet they could have turned around and said, look, we know we've had a word from an angel. We know that we carry the Savior of the world. This little baby is the Savior. He is the one who is going to bring rescue to Israel. He's the one who is going to bring salvation to men and women in the centuries to come. We carry the Lamb of God. Do you want to meet him? I know you've got a nice lamb, but do you want to meet this lamb? Start to tell people about what you've got rather than looking at what you've not got. We've got to be content with Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13.5 says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. In other words, relationship. Be content. Don't, don't love money. Don't love all the stuff. Be content with what you've got. Why? Why? Because I am with you all the time. I'll never leave you. You've got the best 24-hour friend, constant. I never leave you. I'm with you all the time. When you go to work and you're struggling and you've been praying in the morning and asking, God, I want these things. I need my marriage to be sorted. And you're at work and you're worried and you've got panic attacks and you, everything's weighing you down. Do you know he never left you? When you got up from the floor and you've been praying and you went to work and now the pressure's hitting at work and someone's saying, can you do this, do that? And you're thinking, I don't feel the presence of God anymore. Where's Jesus? Where's my lamb? The lamb is still with you. He never leaves. So he says, be content. Don't go for the love of money. Be content because I am with you. But some of us forget that. I'm amazed actually when I go in the loft every year to get our Christmas tree down. He says, same every year. The kids stand at the, at the bottom of the ladder looking up, watching dad go up into the loft trying to find the light and not going through the floor. That's the biggest objective of mine, never to go through the floor. I always get told off for how noisy I am, but I'm trying to be as quiet as I can going across the beams. And I go up there and the kids always ask me, Dad, can you look at what toys are up there that we haven't seen? Because we chuck toys up there and get rid of them, get them out of the way. And then I hand them a bag down. Do you know what? One of the things that I've seen is this, that when I hand them a bag of old toys down, they seem more joyous about that than on Christmas Day. It's like, we forgot we had this Lego set. We forgot we had this Star Wars figure. We forgot we had these things, even though they're dusty and mum has to wipe them down. And some of us today, do you know what we do? We push Jesus into the loft for a year. You said, do you know what? I'm just asking God for stuff. I've just took my focus on him. No relationship. And actually what you've done is you've pushed Jesus into the year for another Christmas. You get him down and you realize he is everything. But listen, you've got to have it 24 hours a day all the way through the year. You've got to understand that he doesn't, st- he doesn't get pushed away. He is your source. He is everything. And finally today, number three, is that we have to be expectant. How many of you know we've got to be expectant people? You know, when you ask, sometimes you, I don't know about you, but I'm wore down when I don't get an answer, so I don't expect anymore. Yeah? Join the club. You don't see the answer, so you lose expectation. I've asked enough. You're not giving it me, God, and your timing, so I'm not. Why should I expect anything? 
And we lose expectation. Expectation in our lives is key. Do you know that? Expectation is something that we need to have in our lives. And do you know what it comes from? The Holy Spirit. Expectation comes from the Holy Ghost. We look at Anna now. Anna the prophetess. In Luke 2 verse 37 it says this. Anna never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. In other words, Anna was truly dedicated to God. Did you see that? Anna never left the temple. I mean, it's hard to sometimes get people out of here in between the 10 a.m. service and the 2 2 p.m. service. But she never left. You talk double services, she never left. She was hanging around all the time. We sing a song here, day and night, night and day. But we're not prepared to worship night and day. Night and day worship, he says here. Worship night and day. Never left the temple fasting and praying. Boy, this person was religious, eh? No, this person was spiritual. Because what did she have? She had a gifting of prophetic. She heard God's voice. Some people who want to start hearing God's voice and be prophetic, you need to start spending time more with God. You need to start spending and dedicating your time, giving your worship to Him and everything and fasting and praying. It doesn't come cheap, you know. This woman was a woman of God. And when your life is truly dedicated to God, and she was in that temple every single day, wouldn't leave. I mean, Simeon, he, he, he rocked up to the temple when he found out Jesus was there. So he, he's probably not as dedicated. She was probably praying that Simeon would be a bit more dedicated. You know, so I, that's Simeon God. I know he's a good man and... He hears from you, but he's just not here. I just pray that he'll come more. Oh, look, here he comes. Now when Jesus arrived, here rocks up Simeon. Have you noticed those people? They always rock up when God's moving. You'll see them. You've been praying for revival. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Let me tell you, everyone will be here for Dwayne White. When God's moving, we're here. Praise God. Day and night, night and day, let us worship. Listen, we've got to worship him all the time. We've got to be passionately after him all of our lives. If you ask, ask in expectation. Expectation comes, why? Because we see through God's perspective, not ours. You expect through God's expectation, not yours. She understood that when she was with the pre- in the presence of God and she was spending time with Him, that she understood that when she was with Him, expectation comes that goes above and beyond supernaturally to where we are. You expect bigger. You expect far bigger. She never left the temple. Some of us today... Actually, we've been expectant. We said, actually, I've not seen. I felt God show me things, and I've seen things in my life. And then people have prophesied. People have said one or two things to me, and I've not seen the fulfillment of the prophecy yet. I'm waiting, you, God, for you to answer this. Some today, right now, you know that there's prophecies being said. There's things that you're waiting to come. They've not arrived yet. But listen, God's not left you. I want you to show a picture up here on the screen of my... My eldest son, Jacob, if we've got it up there. There he is. Doesn't he look cute? Sat on the fence. Just, just took a few months ago. 
It's not like that on Monday morning when he's trying to put his shoes on. Very different. You come to our house at, at, at eight, 8.35, bottom of the stairs, trying to put a coat on and some shoes. He ain't smiling then. And I'm trying to put them to bed on a night and trying to get them to brush their teeth. It ain't like that then. Isn't fo- aren't photographs good because you get a, a moment of time, you don't get the sound. I mean, you ought to see what happened after that picture. It was terrible. Just to get him to sit on that fence. Do you know what? Half of Facebook today, people are putting up the moments, the milliseconds of our lives, and it all looks fantastic. No one sees what happens after. We put it through Instagram. We get all the effects on. I'll make the lighting look a little bit better so my face looks better. I look a little bit happier than I was at the time. But actually, people never realize that when you did that smile, that after your face went down. Do you know why? Because we look at these moments sometimes. And sometimes in our lives, you know, it's great to have a son. He's eight years old now. And I've gone through the journey of seeing him grow up. But I just want you to bring the next picture up. That was him at 12 weeks. 12 weeks old. bit different, isn't it now? Some of us have received this. You've seen a word. God's spoken to you. He's given you revelation in the past. And now you're not dedicated. You're not giving the time to him. You've had this prophetic word. You've seen a glimpse of what he wants to do in your life. You know that actually this is something that is definite. I know that that is a beating baby. I have seen God speak to me in a meeting. A prophecy came. It wasn't clear. It wasn't full. It was just a 12-week scan. But you know that the heart was beating. You know it was God. You know that there is a spine and you can see a few of the organs. You know this baby's moving. There is something about it at 12 weeks. And you remember some of you old prophetic words. They're like 12 week scans. And you keep getting them out and looking at the picture trying to work out what is God going to do. What is this baby going to look like? Is it a girl or a boy? How big's the nose? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to move to? Is this place really for me? Is God going to do something different in my life? I wonder what I look like when this baby comes. There's another stage, 20 weeks. You see another bit more detail. Some of you have seen a bit more detail then. You see a few more organs, you see even more. Then you go to the doctors and they get a little thing out called the Doppler. And you listen to the heartbeat and now you hear the heart beating. Oh yeah, it's definitely real. God's revealed another part of the word to me. He's telling me something. I'm expectant. I'm expectant he is doing something because I've got the heartbeat now. I can hear it. Then another part comes. The baby's born. You know about it then. Never forget that first nappy change. All the books we had. It's a great time, but actually, to get to eight years old, there is a journey. There's a process. There's lots of shoes to try and put on at the bottom of the stairs. There's lots of teeth to brush. There's lots of problems. There's lots of arguments sometimes because they don't do as they're told. But listen to me, they're worth it. And listen, some of you have given up because you're partway through. You've not seen the fulfillment yet. There's still more to come. You see, when Mary met Elizabeth... In Zechariah's house, what happened? The, baby's, the baby kicked. When expectation meets expectation, you feel the kick. 
When expectation comes into the room, you feel the kick. She knew there was something then. You see, Mary had received some angels she'd seen and, and received the word of the Lord. Now she goes round to Zechariah's house, meets Elizabeth, and straight away when she says what she has to say, boom, she feels a kick. It's just a kick. I remember the first kick that we had. It was on New Year's Eve. We just remember it. And then Emma told me she had a kick and I was trying to feel it and it doesn't kick then. But it's just another stage. And some of you today, you've had stages. God is saying to you, listen, I want you to remember the kick. I want you to remember the 12-week scan. I want you to remember these stages because I am doing good for you in this season. I have not left you. There is still something to come, but there is a wait between a 12-week scan and a 20-week scan. There is a time you've got to wait, but listen, do not lose the expectation. Do not lose it. Whatever stage of the process Do not lose it. You see, a spirit of real expectation comes from a heart of real dedication. She was dedicated. It says she worshipped day and night. Not just Christmas. She worshipped day and night. She didn't just rock up in the Christmas story and say, I'm going to worship now. She worshipped all the time. Expectancy is coming in our worship We even see this as Paul and Silas in prison when they worship. They're expectant for God to do something, for breakthrough to come. And they see that amazing breakthrough as they're released out of their chains. Finally, it says this, that Anna fasted and prayed. She fasted and prayed. Listen, I want to encourage you. When's the last time you fasted? When is the last time... And I'm not saying this is some legal requirement, but actually it's a joy to fast. It's actually something that you're going to enjoy. Did you know that? You see, the Bible doesn't say fast because I want you to feel rubbish. I want you to feel like you're, you're not doing very well. Fast because it's then when you'll, get cl- you'll feel closer to my presence. Pray and fast together. Talk to God While you're fasting. The Bible says when you fast. Not if you're going to try it out. When you fast. She fasted and prayed. This woman is a great example. And she's not on your Christmas card. She's a great example. An unsung hero to show us. That actually when you want something. And she sought after God. To bring rescue to Israel. She was passionate about what she believed in. But I want to encourage you today. I just felt the spirit of the Lord said to me. and To encourage you today. That some people have stopped asking for things. Some people have stopped asking God for things. There are family members that you know need to find Jesus. Relationships, marriages, all manner of things today. And you stopped asking God. God is calling you to ask again, even for unanswered prayers in our lives. And then finally, we need to ask big. You see, there's a difference between when you're content in God, you can ask big for things in God. It doesn't mean when you ask big from God for 2017 and so on. 
If you want to ask big, it doesn't mean that you're not that you you're not happy with what you have. But the truth is this: that when we ask big, we're asking out of the spirit. We're saying, do you know what? I want things in line with the will of God in my life. I want you to do big stuff for me. I believe, God, that you can convert my family. You can turn my family's hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. You can change. I'm expectant, God, because I'm spending time with you. Now I'm seeing things on your perspective. Now I'm looking through your lenses. Now I'm seeing it your way. Now I'm going to start to ask in the way that you would believe in because you're a God of the impossible. You can do anything today. Come on, is there a spirit of expectancy in this house? Let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.